It is Friday, December 4th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 13 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me again are Jared Smola and Tyler Syracuse. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Week 12 of the Crown is Ass Challenge finally found your favorite podcast host getting back into the win column for the first time in way too long. And it was really all about having the only share of Tyreek Hill in this competition. He scored me 60.9 DK points. No one else in my lineup reached 14. My biggest mistake for the week overall was overplaying Kareem Hunt. I, I, I sold myself too hard on the idea of Cleveland just dominating Jacksonville and both running backs scoring. And I, I, I willfully ignored the possibility that Kareem Hunt would actually, you know, just get the work of a number two running back. Jared, takeaways from your week 12 lineup. Yeah, it was a losing week for me in cash with this team. And most weeks when I lose in cash, I look at my lineup and I'm like, it, it was fine. I mean, I just, you know, ran bad with touchdowns or whatever it might have been. I, I think it was a mistake this week to not play either Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes. You know, the Chiefs easily had the highest implied total on the week. We were pretty sure they were going to go pass heavy against a Bucks team that's much tougher against the run than the pass. I, I could have played this exact lineup and played Tyreek Hill instead of Stephon Diggs. I had that $200, um, you know, or I could have found another 200 bucks to get up to Patrick Mahomes instead of Josh Allen. So, uh, you know, a bit too heavy on the Bills with Allen and Diggs. They had a disappointing run heavy or game than expected, and that, that was what really cost, cost me last week. Tyler, how'd you fare in week 12 on DraftKings? I ended up doing pretty good. I actually scored 150 in my cash game lineup, but looking at my draft uh, crown his ass challenge here, I only scored 114. Basically, I made some last minute changes. Uh, Sunday morning, I ended up pivoting to Patrick Mahomes, which really paid off. I had Justin Herbert in before, and Herbert only got 20 points compared to Mahomes 35. Uh, All of us used Dalvin Cook, and he was really disappointing with just 11 DraftKings points. I know he left the game for a little bit with an injury, but it just seems like he's a little bit banged up, and and that's what the coaching staff uh, said about him. So he's in an, another interesting spot this week with a really good matchup. My wide receivers really ended up letting me down. I had Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole, and Keenan Allen, and none of them really did much of anything. Keenan Allen was the top scorer, and he kind of got lucky with a touchdown, but he only had 40 yards. So that was kind of disappointing, but I ended up doing okay with my uh, with my pivots. Yeah, that Chargers Bills game was really disappointing. It hurt me in the on the FanDuel side. So uh, anybody who played the high dollar guys from that game probably did not fare too well with them last week. We'll all be back at it for round thirteen of the Crown Is Ass Challenge. It remains tightly packed for the season. Five wins now for me, four for Tyler, three for Jared. So still anybody's competition. We will show you who we're playing against each other come Saturday in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com. For now, though, Jared, please kick us off at QB, where I think the pricing in the matchups really make for a pretty interesting slate. Yeah, a lot of the elite quarterbacks we've been playing all season are in you know, less than ideal spots. I, I don't think that's the case over Aaron Rodgers. 6800 bucks. He he's my cash game play. You know, just, just having an awesome bounce back season, averaging 25.5 DraftKings points per game. He has 23.5 plus DK points in nine of his 11 outings this season. So he's been consistent at home this weekend uh, for the Eagles, who are tougher against the run. 
than the pass. Football Outsiders has Philly 20th in pass defense. They're 26th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. And the Packers have the third highest implied total on the main slate at 28 and a half points. We, we have Rodgers projected to lead main slate quarterbacks in DraftKings points. And he, he's only the fifth ranked quarterback in DraftKings salary. So I think he's underpriced. I agree. I, I can't argue against um, Aaron Rodgers. I think I'll probably be going cheaper. Tyler, what's your cash plan at QB? Yeah, I'm leaning Aaron Rodgers as well, kind of in that similar price range. Well, Rodgers just basically for all the reasons Jared pointed out, he's been extremely consistent this season. He actually has three more touchdown passes than Patrick Mahomes on the season. And it's crazy because Mahomes is a minus a thousand for the MVP compared to like plus 750 for Rodgers. So if the Chiefs lose one or two games down the stretch, uh, I think Rodgers still has a shot at MVP. Uh, but in a similar price range, we could definitely go to Justin Herbert or Deshaun Watson in tournaments. But I think Rodgers is my preferred cash game option. Yeah, I would like to fit Rodgers. We'll see once I actually start building the lineups on here how much it works. I think the that if you do want to save the money there, you can capture a lot of Rodgers by using Devontae Adams at 9000 bucks. So, you know, there's certainly the chance he scores with some other guys, but he's probably going to bring Devontae Adams along. Um, and Devontae Adams is cheaper than Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook on DraftKings. So if he's your high-dollar guy, that can capture some of it. If you are going to spend down, I think guys to consider are Jared Goff at 5800 Philip Rivers, 5900 Ryan Tannehill, 62 um, Taysom Hill, 63 Kirk Cousins, 64 I wish Kirk Cousins were less expensive on here. 64 compared to 68 for Aaron Rodgers is a bit too close to make it comfy, but there is at least a bit more savings in a Thielen plus Cousins stack versus a Rodgers plus Adams stack. Yeah, I'm hoping that price tag on Cousins keeps his ownership down in tournaments because I think that's the place to be playing Cousins this week. On the GPP side, Jared, what do you like? I'm getting really gross here and going with Mike Glennon at 4,800 bucks. <laughs> um, I, I thought he he played decently last week. You know, scored 18 DK points. I, I mean, there's a couple of reasons I like him. One, he's super cheap. It's a you know pretty good matchup against Minnesota. The Jags are like 10 point underdogs here. I think they're going to be playing from behind. I think Glennon will have nice pass volume. Uh, he's getting DJ Chark back this week, so to, you know to go along with Keelan Cole. Visca Chenault. So a decent group of wide receivers. The other reason I, I, I like Glennon too, though, besides the fact that you can you know, stack them up very cheaply, is I do think it's a pretty rough week at quarterback. Like I won't be surprised if none of these quarterbacks, you know, reach like 30 DK points this week. Um, so if I can get, you know, 21, 22 points out of Glennon at that price, and he's only like six or seven points behind the top quarterback on the week, I think, you know, that that could be enough to win you a tournament. Tyler, what do you like? I do think Mike Glennon is interesting just based on the price and for the fact that I'm probably going to be fading the top quarterbacks as well. I think Russell Wilson's overpriced with Seattle wanting to lean a little bit more on the running game, especially since they're double-digit favorites at home against the Giants. And then Kyler Murray just hasn't looked right the last couple weeks, and they're playing a good Rams defense. Deshaun Watson doesn't have Will Fuller, and those are the top three priced guys. So if none of those guys are getting 30 points, it definitely makes sense to pay down at quarterback this week. I think another pay down option is Mitchell Trubisky. He, he gets that matchup against the Lions again, a team that he torments historically, averages over three touchdowns per game against them somehow. So he's underpriced at 5,400. You know, he has an easy stacking option with David Montgomery or Allen Robinson. And then I think we could go to Jared Goff at 5,800. He's had really wide distributions this season, but he should come in really low owned and the Cardinals defense just isn't generating any pressure and they're getting pretty poor cornerback play. 
The only other guy I had was Taysom Hill, 6,300. Still in a dome. It's a team they just played a couple weeks ago. He had 25 DraftKings points, and he's just been like their goal line back for the last couple weeks. So I think he's still got a a pretty strong upside. And we didn't really see the Saints throw the ball too much last week because they quickly got up against the Broncos. But uh, I think we're going to find out uh, how capable of a passer he is a little bit more this week against Atlanta. Man, when you guys start off the QB talk with Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky, I feel like the presidential debate moderator looking for a mute button over here. Mm-hmm. But I certainly agree with the the cases for both of them. One thing you guys forget to mention about Mike Glennon is that he's built like a submarine periscope, so he can see over anybody in front of him. I think Jared Goff at 5,800 in GPP is pretty easily going to be my top guy there, especially looking at the projected ownership this morning. He is sitting at half the projected ownership of Derek Carr at the same price. He's less than a third of the ownership for Mitchell Trubisky at just $400 more right now. I think there's easily a higher ceiling to Jared Goff than there is to Derek Carr, easily a higher floor to Goff than there is to Mitchell Trubisky. He's coming off his worst fantasy outing of the season by a pretty good margin. Just before that, though, he had a ceiling kind of fantasy performance. He had three straight games of 300-plus yards before that 49ers game. So I think that's more like what we should expect from Jared Goff than what we got last week. Certainly know that there's the downside, but... I think a better chance that he's at least decent in this game. And of course the attractive stacking options, I think he beats both Trubisky and Carr in that category. Yeah. I mean, I think Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are both a bit underpriced. So yeah, I think that strengthens the case for golf in tournaments. I, I, I'm, I was interested in Trubisky until I saw the projected ownership. It's like around 10%. I, I think I'm going to fade him at that ownership. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Josh Reynolds is also in play for stacking purposes for the Rams. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Kirk Cousins also definitely in play here at 6,400. I think he's probably headed for higher ownership than Jared Goff, but the upside is there. Um, We talked about him yesterday on the preview pod. He's been excellent lately. He's thrown a lot of touchdown passes. He gets Adam Thielen back this week. And neither Adam Thielen nor Justin Jefferson seems headed for uh, really high ownership. But we'll get to those guys when we get to the receiver category. Running back for cash, Jared, where are you starting? Austin Eckler for me, you know, he he's up a thousand bucks in price to seventy one hundred. I think it's still too cheap. I mean, he had fourteen carries and sixteen targets last week, twenty three point nine DraftKings points without even scoring a touchdown. He he did have four opportunities. He had two carries and two targets inside the ten yard line last week. So you know they're they're definitely going to use him near the goal line. Eckler, by the way, he had 11 targets in his previous game with Justin Herbert, four targets in the first game with Herbert. So I, I just think he's the best reception bet among main slate running backs this week. Uh, the Patriots not good against the run, not good in uh, running back pass coverage either. Football Outsider says them 25th in that category. So a, a nice matchup for Eckler too. Yeah, they're just not good at linebackers. So it's a, a nice matchup to leverage Austin Eckler. Plus they have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So it's not like the Patriots can load up to stop Austin Eckler and just let the Chargers do their thing downfield. So I I certainly think he looks like a nice floor play this week and certainly with a nice ceiling, especially in full PPR. Tyler, where are you looking for cash running back? Yeah, I definitely agree with Austin Eckler based on the price and his usage coming off of the injury. He set uh, season highs or a career high actually in touches last week. So that's very promising for his future. And then I'm going to agree with the draft sharks model, just with the the top three points per dollars plays. I think those are going to be my three guys in cash. So at the top, we have David Montgomery. He's only 5,500. He's going to be the chalk running back of the week, but he just makes way too much sense. He played 85% of the snaps last week. He's catching the ball. He had an explosive run for 57 yards last week against Green Bay. He's extremely cheap. He's a home favorite. You know, he's David Montgomery, so he could fail, but just with that workload, 
and the best possible matchup against the Lions. I think he makes a lot of sense in cash. And then Aaron Jones, same kind of situation, uh, home favorite, $7,200. I mean, the Eagles offense has just been so bad that I think we can project Aaron Jones for a few more carries uh, slash targets this week just with I would expect Green Bay to run a lot more plays this week just because Philly's been going three and out at such a high rate that it should create more plays for the Green Bay offense this week. Yeah, I certainly agree with playing anybody against the Eagles this week. Um, and, and Aaron Jones certainly in play, just not maybe not quite as good a touch bet as Eckler, but you know, plenty good as a scoring bet against this defense. David Montgomery, I already promised yesterday, any draft tricks listeners, I would not play him this week because my history of using David Montgomery when he is the chalk or even just an upside play is poor. So I'm going to do everybody the service of leaving him out of all lineups. GPP side, Jared, what do you like? Yeah, glad to hear you're not playing Montgomery. He's going to be in my cash lineup too. Um, I, I do think he's an easy tournament fade at like 30% projected ownership. I know he's coming off like a 28-point game or whatever, but he, he just doesn't screen like an upside play to me. So especially that ownership, I'm going to you know, not, not use any of him in tournaments. Aaron Jones is who I have here for GPP, and I do think he's in play for cash. I wish you know, it wasn't so close to a 50-50 split lately between him and Jamal Williams. You know, 7,200 is – a lot to pay for a guy who's been, you know, getting only half the running back work lately. But love him for tournaments because, you know, first of all, he's coming in projected just three percent ownership. I think more people are going to play the Rogers Adams, you know, side of that offense than the running game. We've seen the upside with Aaron Jones. He has a forty-eight point DraftKings point game this season. He has he had games of fifty-two, forty-four, thirty-four, and thirty-three points last season. So you know, he has as high a ceiling as any running back. Packers big home favorites here, big implied total, so he's a good touchdown bat. You know, Philly's decent against the run, but as Tyler mentioned, I think it, it should be a game where the entire Packers offense should have plenty of success. Tyler, what do you play in GPP running back? I think it's really interesting. I've been listening to other podcasts throughout the week, and a lot of touts slash fantasy analysts are saying that Dalvin Cook is going to be much higher owned than Derrick Henry this week. And that's interesting because I think I would prefer Derrick Henry straight up. I wrote him up in my tournament article this week, so you guys could refer back to that. But he just has these insane splits after Thanksgiving, and he showed us again last week, um, completely going off against the the Titans last week. And, uh, you know, there's six-point favorites at home this week. We all know they're going to lean on him again, and I just think he's got such a great shot at being a top-five running back. So he's going to be part of my GPP player pool probably for the rest of the season. Uh, another guy I had was Kenyon Drake, and that is mainly because I want to stack this game, and I don't really trust any of the Cardinals wide receivers. So I think we can use Kenyon Drake and those Jared Goff to Cooper Cup slash Robert Wood stacks, and then have Kenyon Drake on the Cardinals and just hope that he continues to get those goal line touchdowns instead of Kyler Murray. Finally, Drake had a couple one-yard touchdowns last week, so that was good to see Kyler Murray finally not getting those little one-yard scrambles on the goal line. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Derrick Henry comes in significantly lower on than Dalvin Cook just because one guy is healthy and the other guy is battling a foot injury. They both have positive matchups. Derrick Henry's coming off a big week, so I mean, it'd be surprising if that happens, but I haven't really checked the ownership on those two against each other. I'm scared to not play Derrick Henry this week against a defense that just allowed James Robinson 128 rushing yards last week. Um, in the cheaper range, so that we can fit some of the higher dollar guys, I think the Colts running backs are interesting. Both Naheem Hines at 5,300, Jonathan Taylor 5,700 against Houston. The backfield's now whole again with Jonathan Taylor back off the COVID list. Philip Rivers playing through a toe injury. It's clearly bothering him to at least some degree. He's missing practices, still playing. 
Houston Rundy remains just 27th in DVOA. They did have two of their three best outings of the season um, the past two weeks, but those came against the Patriots and then the Lions without DeAndre Swift. So I'm not worried about the Houston defense off of those performances. Colts defense, meanwhile, gets DeForest Buckner, Danico Autry back. Texans lose Will Fuller. So I think that lowers the chances of Houston pulling away in this game and controlling game flow, increases the chances of the Colts playing things the way that they want to. Certainly none of us knows what's going to happen with the hot hand situation for the Colts. So I think that's why either Hines or Taylor is in play. I would be interested in playing some of each of them at fairly low ownership, most likely. I also want to point out that Alvin Kamara is down to $7,000 this week. It's his cheapest price of the season. It's $1,200 less than he was last week. It's $2,200 down from the last meeting with Atlanta two weeks ago. I mean, I know what the worry with Alvin Kamara is, but he is still Alvin Kamara. And... I got to think that even if he keeps seeing lower usage this week, there's still the chance to score once or twice. And, you know, maybe he's feeling better this week. I haven't seen the Friday practice report. Maybe he actually gets more like Alvin Kamara usage in a closer game. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kamara is actually overpriced if he gets the usage that he got the past two weeks. Uh, But, yeah, there's a chance he, you know, gets even something closer to what he had been doing with Drew Brees. And in that case, he's a decent play. Um, Going back to Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook, I I think Fanshare hasn't projected about – even in ownership, they're, they're both like in the like mid 20%, I think, though. Um, and honestly, I think both guys are a bit overpriced. Cook, because he's just banged up and there's a chance they limit his workload a bit. Henry, just 9200 bucks for a guy who you're projecting for like one catch. I know how good he's been late in the season, but like, I don't know. I, I think they're both good tournament fades. I can see that. Maybe you should fade him in your uh, Kranazak lineup too. No, I, I, uh, not to spend too much time on this. I, I wrote in my article that I, you know, wasn't going to play either of them in cash. But then as I started building, um, I think there is a chance I play Henry in cash just because it's such a weak week at running back. Like Eckler and Montgomery, the only two guys I feel really good about in cash at running back. Mm -hmm. At wide receiver, before we get to the picks, can I just say that it makes me really uncomfortable to see Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims as the top two in our DK (laughs) point rankings? Not me. Not me. All right. What do you like for cash this week, dude? (laughs) I have Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks as the two guys I'll definitely have in there. Um, I think both guys are just underpriced for the volume. We can project them for Woods at 5,900 bucks, 27 targets over his last two games. Now he has five plus catches in four straight games, has had a lot of success against the Cardinals over the past couple seasons. So I like him. And then Brandon Cooks, he's going to be the chalk play. I think even if Fuller was in there still, Cooks would be a nice play at 5,600 bucks. Um, he's already averaging a little over seven targets per game. Will Fuller leaves behind about seven targets per game. So I, I think Cooks is a pretty good bet to get 10 plus targets this week. Yeah, it's pretty easy to start with Brandon Cooks at 5,600. The clear number one for Houston, no Randall Cobb. They dumped Kenny Stills, obviously no Will Fuller. Shaky running game. It's a difficult matchup for the running game. So I think it all points to, to Brandon Cooks being a pretty easy cash play. Tyler, what are you doing to cash wide up? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have Brandon Cooks as well. I'm most likely going to be fading those Jets wide receivers at the top of the Draft Sharks model. It's uh, it's pretty interesting because we have two Bears wide receivers in the top six as well, and neither of them are Allen Robinson. Somehow Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney are popping in projection systems just based on their price and based on the matchup, I think. Probably won't be rostering either of those guys. I will have Allen Robinson in GPPs, but Brandon Cooks for sure in cash. Uh, just with the elevated targets with Will Fuller out, I'd expect them to use Cooks a lot more. So he's probably going to be the highest on wide receiver uh, just based on that price tag. And then I can't really decide between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is $200 more. He has 
just two touchdowns compared to Robert Woods, seven touchdowns. Robert Woods is used um, as a running back on those end rounds a little bit more as well. So that kind of boosts his floor. But Cooper Cup has slightly better target volume on the season. I think he has seven more targets than Robert Woods. And I think Cup has the better matchup in the slot. So I would slightly prefer Cooper Cup, but it's extremely close between him and Robert Woods. So if I have the extra $200, I'll probably play Cooper Cup. But if I don't, I have no problem going to Robert Woods. Tyler, when you have a situation like that, do you tend to just eventually pick one and, and go with it? Or do you like split it and maybe have two lineups that are identical, but run one of those guys in each of them? So for my cash teams, I really just try to use one lineup. But then in GPPs, I'll kind of split that exposure up, especially since I'm going to have Jared Goff this week. Mm. Uh, like I said before, Devontae Adams is the high-priced guy that I'm probably going to try hardest to fit in. Um, not only is the matchup terrific to begin with and his usage amazing to begin with, the Eagles are also – they also have Darius Slay dealing with a calf injury he, that he sustained in practice Thursday. So their top corner who just got – destroyed by DK Metcalf on Monday night is now limping around. Doug Peterson says he hopes Slay will play. I don't think it really matters, but obviously if he's out, it makes it an even better matchup for Devontae Adams. On the GPP side, I like the Vikings wide receivers this week. I think they're both in play. Neither one is projected for higher ownership. Adam Thielen's back. He's been a better bet, a slightly better bet for targets. He's been a better bet for end zone targets on the season. He actually leads the NFL in end zone targets over the past three weeks, according to Pro Football Focus, even though he missed one of those three weeks. So both of those guys attractive, but it's still feeling first when they're priced as close together as they are, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want to use both of those wide receivers in Cousins stacks or if I want to pick one of them and then use Kyle Rudolph as the third guy. So that's kind of my dilemma there. Um, let me talk about Denzel Mims really, really quick. 4100 bucks For me, he's actually in play for cash, but not for tournaments because he's projected at like 20% ownership. He's going to be popular this week. So I think he's an easy fade for tourneys, but I do think, you know, if you want a cheap wide receiver, Mims makes some sense. He's seen seven plus targets in four or five games this season. He's third among wide receivers in air yards over the past four weeks. And he's actually, he's been a steadier fantasy producer than you probably think. He has 10 plus DK points in three straight games now. So I think he has a decent floor and the ceiling is elevated this week in a good matchup against the Raiders. Don't tell me what I know or don't know about Denzel Mims here. That bothers me. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Denzel Mims as a cash option because of the price. I agree with fading him at that high ownership. Tyler, what are you playing on the tournament side? So I like the Rams wide receivers, which I talked about. I talked a little bit about Allen Robinson with Mitchell Trubisky. Tyler Lockett makes a lot of sense uh, with the better matchup against the Giants. DK Metcalf is going to be matched up with James Bradbury, who's, who's played pretty well this year. Obviously, DK Metcalf can win in any matchup, but... Sometimes the Seahawks just go after, you know, whatever best, whatever their best matchup is. We've seen Lockett have a couple spikes week, spike weeks, and he should be relatively low owned this week. Another guy ahead was Devontae Parker, 6.4 thousand. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is in the lineup, he's got a really good matchup against the Bengals coming off a game where he had eight catches for over 100 yards. Him and Fitzpatrick just have really good chemistry, and Fitzpatrick's kind of the YOLO quarterback that, Devontae Parker meshes well with because Fitzpatrick is, you know, he's willing to throw the ball down the field. He's willing to throw jump balls. And that's something that Tua really hasn't done yet. So uh, we just got to keep an eye on that. I'd much prefer to play Mike Gesicki slash Devontae Parker if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick over Tua. Jarvis Landry, 6.2 thousand. I was a little surprised. Uh, he has relatively high projected ownership, 13%. He's coming off eight catch game where he had like 143 yards. Finally, the Browns had a game where there wasn't weather concern. 
there should be no concern in Tennessee this week, which should elevate the passing volume for the Browns offense. And he's just the guy there now with no Odell Beckham in the lineup. I think he can have a, another pretty good DraftKings game with elevated target volume. And then the last guy I wanted to mention was Alan Lazard. He's just a good pivot off of Devontae Adams. If he's healthy and in the lineup this week, he's got a really good matchup against the Packers or against the Eagles. And he's just priced down at $5,000. A couple other low cost uh, wideouts I want to mention to help us fit in some of the higher priced guys. Josh Reynolds, who I did mention in passing earlier, 4,200 bucks over here. He actually leads Rams wide receivers in both red zone and end zone targets for the season, just one ahead of Robert Woods in both of those categories. But I mean, the fact that Josh Reynolds leads the group at all, I think is pretty surprising. Six plus targets overall in five straight games. So he's been seeing decent volume. If they throw the ball more here, that obviously only helps. He's also projected for just one and a half percent ownership right now. So I think whether you're playing Jared Goff or just looking for a cheaper wide out with some upside, Josh Reynolds makes sense. And just to make Jared cringe, I'm going to mention Hunter Renfro at 4300 bucks here coming off a nine target seven catch game it's his most playing time since weeks four and five weeks four and five are when he had nine and eight targets double digit ppr points in each of those outings nelson Aguilar looks like he's trending towards missing this game against the jets he's got a knee injury josh jacobs seems like he's trending towards sitting out this one with an ankle injury or at least being limited darren waller is bound to be the coverage focal point in the matchup so I mean, I just think there's a chance that Hunter Renfro runs free a bit, sees some extra targets. He's still $200 cheaper than Henry Ruggs, even though the rookie's not doing anything. So, you know, if you're looking down that range, Hunter Renfro makes some sense. I'm pulling up these splits right now because I remember talking about him earlier in the season. I, I I won't go through the actual numbers, but Renfro's number is much better in Raiders' losses than wins. You know, he, he just ends up getting on the field more when they're going pass heavy. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's – I don't think they're going to be playing from behind – the Jets. The, the Aguilar thing does make Renfro a bit more interesting, but that could be a case where Renfro's role doesn't change much because he's their slot guy. We could see like Brian Edwards just sort of step into Nelson Aguilar's role. So I won't have any Hunter Renfro. My tournament guy here is Kelvin Ridley. He was popular last week. He was like 35 to 40% owned in cash games. It was semi disappointing, but he still scored. And, you know, that game just got out of whack with, you know, how, how easily. The Falcons won. Ridley not projected just 3% ownership against the Saints. Um, we'll see about Julio Jones. Even if he plays, I think he's not going to be at 100%. So I think Ridley's the best bet for targets in Atlanta. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers, the Saints are fourth in DK points allowed to wide receivers, seventh in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. I think that might be part of the reason Ridley's ownership is, is staying down this week. But I look at the Saints secondary. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore has struggled all season. Janoris Jenkins, who's been their best corner, per the PFF grades, uh, didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday with a knee injury. So I just think it's it's a good matchup for Ridley. I think he can have a big game indoors at home. And he's, again, coming in super low-owned. I agree with that. He's in my notes for the FanDuel podcast. Um, Hunter Renfro, by the way, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he's probably lined up outside more often than you would expect this season. But that's enough words about Hunter Renfro. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to tight end for cash. Tyler, where are you looking first? I just want to go back to running back really quick, just based off some news we got. Uh, Miles Gaskin is in play this week at home against the Bengals with the news that Ahmed and DeAndre Washington are both doubtful this week. Mm -hmm. So Gaskin would be like really the only guy left that they trust. So he might jump right back into a, a pretty heavy workload and he's priced at 5,900. Um, so. Did they, did they say in that report that he's going to be activated and play this weekend? They didn't say that yet either. So I don't yeah. know who they'd have left. It would be Matt Breida and Patrick Laird, I guess. 
Yeah, it would be. Um, but I'm with you. I do think um, if Gaskin plays, he'll be back in the role that we saw him in earlier this season. Yeah, so tight end is extremely gross this week. We actually got some pretty important tight end news just now as well. Uh, we finally have Anthony Ferkser week, boys. John o. Smith was ruled out with a knee injury. Ferkser's priced down at 2500 He's got a really good matchup against the Browns. So that's going to be my cash game tight end. Uh, GPPs, I like Dallas Goddard, Jordan Akins, and Mike Gesicki. There's really, you know, it's not it's extremely gross tight end week. So you can poke holes in any of these guys. You don't really feel good about any of them. But those are just guys that I'll be playing. Gesicki, assuming that Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. And they announced that Fitzpatrick is the likely starter this week. You want to bash Gesicki, Matt? No, I, I do that all the time. I hate Mike Jasucki, but no, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Ferkser is definitely in play now at the min price. If I don't go there, it's going to be Kyle Rudolph for me, and that would be assuming Irv Smith is out, which it looks like it's trending in that direction. You know, Rudolph came through for us last week with 13.8 DraftKings points. He's still just 3,400 bucks. Um, he has five and eight targets in the two games that Smith has missed this season, double-digit DraftKings points in both of those games for Rudolph, and he gets the Jags. On Sunday, uh, 22nd in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings, 23rd in DK points allowed to tight ends. And the Vikings have the highest implied total on the main slate at 31 points. So yeah, that, that makes Rudolph a pretty nice touchdown bet. Yep. I think the three levels I'll be considering are now Ferkser, Kyle Rudolph, Dallas Goddard at 4,300. I don't think I'll go above Dallas Goddard. The Darren Wall is just too expensive to make sense with the other options at wide out and running back this week. So across formats, I think those are my three steps is Ferkser, Rudolph, Goddard. I'd be curious to see Ferkser's ownership percentage or projection come Sunday morning. Obviously, we need some time to react to that. Not that I'm going to be making my decision off that because I agree with the case for him. Um, anything different for GPPs here, Tyler? No, I kind of mentioned Dallas Goddard and Jordan Aikens briefly. We're kind of just praying for a touchdown. Dallas Goddard has seen okay volume, and then Aikens really let me down on the Thanksgiving slate. He dropped two touchdowns, which totally would have changed my um, Thanksgiving day uh, lineups because he was, I had him in cash on, on both sites. He was like 1% on FanDuel and 15% on DraftKings. He ended up dropping two touchdowns, but he should see a few more targets with Will Fuller out of the lineup. He makes some sense. You know, he's playing over 50% of the snaps and they seem to like him in the red zone. So, you know, we could poke holes in him, but we're just praying for a touchdown. I like Goddard for tournaments. I mean, he's coming in projected just 8% ownership. I think people are maybe a bit, afraid of Zach Ertz's return. I don't think it's going to matter much. I still think Goddard is the best bet for targets among all Eagles, including the wide receiver. So I like him. Uh, the, the men price tight end I had down for tournaments was uh, Cole Komet for the Bears, who has started you know running more pass routes than Jimmy Graham. You know, they, they spent like the 43rd overall pick on him in this year's draft. So it seems like they're trying to get him involved. If you are going to use a Trubisky stack in tournaments, I think maybe using like Robinson and then plus Cole Komet is a way to differentiate a little bit. Yeah, if you want that one catch, just pray that that one catch comes in the end zone. Exactly, which is what we're doing for most tight ends. So, <laughs> Over at Flex, I think there's room to play Dallas Goddard here at 4,300 as well if you're playing Rudolph or somebody cheaper at tight end. Dallas Goddard would be wide receiver 23 in our PPR projections as of right now, and he's at least $800 cheaper than every wide receiver who would be ahead of him. Uh, Denzel Mims is the first guy behind him who is who costs less, and he's not that much less. Rudolph Goddard are one and three in the current DK dollars per point rankings. Obviously, as soon as we finish this show, we'll be – adjusting those um, for Anthony Ferkser's projection. But anyway, I think Dallas Goddard is in that that flex conversation. Tyler, what are you looking for at flex? 
So it's an interesting week when it comes to game stacks, just based on the fact that the Browns and Titans actually have the highest over under of the week. Those are two teams where we don't really want to be playing the quarterbacks just because these are two teams that prefer to run the football. So it's kind of tough to pick game stacks this week in general. One of the other highest team totals on the slate is the the Colts and the Texans. I think we can use Deshaun Watson in double stacks just based on how cheap the wide receivers slash tight ends are for the uh, Texans. So obviously we'd be using Brandon Cooks with Deshaun Watson and then either Jordan Akins or Kiki Kuti, I think make a lot of sense if Deshaun Watson has a, has a big game, but then we'd have to choose a run back option on the Colts and we're, you know, picking between T.Y. T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, which is kind of gross, but I'm looking at those two games just because they're the highest over-unders and it doesn't seem like they're going to have a lot of ownership this week. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Jared, what do you like? Yeah, two more guys on my list here. Uh, Tyler mentioned Michael Pittman. Uh, what is his price? Forty nine hundred. I think he's a decent option. You know, he saw nine targets last week. Only caught two of them. So you know, I think um, maybe he's going to fly under the radar a bit just because of that. And the Texans just lost their top corner, Bradley Roby, to suspension. So it's a nice matchup for Pittman. And then Kareem Hunt, who burned a lot of people last week. He's down now to fifty four hundred bucks. It's his cheapest price since week one. He's going to be low owned. You know, another nice matchup for Kareem Hunt. So I, I think going back to him in tournaments is interesting. I think Corey Davis is another guy to throw into that pool. 5,100 can get lost pretty easily at that price. Not especially cheap, but especially now with Johnny Smith out. I mean, it only frees up a few more targets, at least the two that go to Johnny Smith every game. <laughs> On defense, Seattle at 3,300 versus Colt McCoy looks like the top play here on DraftKings. 22 sacks over the past five games for the Seahawks, including seven against Buffalo, six at Philly on Monday night. Colt McCoy, nearly one-to-one touchdown to INT ratio for his career. He's averaging a little bit more than half a fumble per game for his career. I mean, this could be a really ugly one. Yeah, I, I love Seattle. I, I won't be paying 3300 bucks though, for a defense in cash. Um, I'm leaning towards the Patriots. I know I know Tyler wrote up. Bill Belichick dominates rookie quarterbacks. He's 19-5 and five all time against rookie quarterbacks. And there was a good Twitter thread from Evan Lazar, one of the Patriots beat writers, about how Pats and Dolphins have used similar defensive schemes, you know, game plans against common opponents this season. You know, Brian Flores, obviously the Finns head coach now. He was a defensive assistant in New England. And Miami held Justin Herbert to his worst game of the season, a season low 187 passing yards, season low 5.8 yards per attempt. So I I kind of expect the pass to use a similar game plan. You know, New England's defense isn't as good as Miami's now, which is crazy to say. So I don't know if they'll have as much success, but I think they could have enough success to, you know, make them a decent play at 2,400 bucks. Interesting. Tyler, what you got? Kind of like the Bears for cash, 3,100 at home against Matthew Stafford, who's really been struggling. Seattle definitely makes a lot of sense going up against Colt McCoy. And we got to give their defense credit. They've played a lot better the last few weeks. Uh, you know, J- Jamal Adams back in lineup. And then Carlos Dunlap's made a big difference just in terms of getting pressure, which is uh, helps their secondary a lot too. And they got a couple corners back who are also injured. So they've really improved. And, you know, Colt McCoy is definitely prone to turnovers. It's funny to see the Falcons number one in the, the draft sharks model. I'm going to be fading them again. They're just not a good defense. So for cash, I mean, I think it's going to be like my last pick in because there's a couple cheap defenses I like, and then there's a couple defenses in that like lowish $3,000 range. So I'm just going to wait, figure out how much salary I have left and plug whichever defense I, I think is the most viable at that price. 
If I do need the savings, I'll consider the Falcons at 2,400. I mean, even even when they allowed plenty to Taysom Hill last time, they still came out with five DraftKings points in that game. And then the Jets at 2,100 just because they're at the bottom. And the Raiders are extremely banged up, uh, both on offense and defense. I this You know, any you don't really need to make a case for a bottom-priced um, right. defense, but there's at least some upside. We saw the upside in what the Raiders did versus Atlanta last week. Yeah, I would have no issue going down to the Jets if I you know can't get up to New England at twenty four hundred. I wanted to mention the Saints too, as you know, like mm-hmm. a pay up tournament defense. Um, I didn't even realize this. They have fourteen plus DraftKings points in four straight games now. They they've been awesome. And that's despite not scoring a defensive touchdown in any of those games. They had eight sacks against Atlanta in that game two weeks ago. The Saints are now first in adjusted sack rate. They passed the Steelers there, and uh, Atlanta's twenty first in adjusted sack rate allowed. So you know, it should be a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan in this game on Sunday. All right, before we wrap up here, Tyler, what are you betting on this week? So another defense um, that I wanted to mention was the Rams at 3,200. That's just based on the fact that Kyler Murray has been struggling, and the Rams' defense has played really well. Uh, Their corners are playing extremely good. They're generating pressure. So that's going to tie right into my bet for the week. The Rams are only minus 2.5. I think that's way too low. I think they should be favored by at least four points against the Cardinals. So that's going to be my pick for the week. I think they're going to they're going to make it difficult for Kyler Murray and then Jalen Ramsey's going to lock up DeAndre Hopkins. So I can't see the Cardinals offense having too much success and the Cardinals defense is really bad and Jared Goff, you know, has good performances against bad defenses. So I like the Rams a lot this week. Jared, what you got? I had nothing prepared, but there are a couple that I like as I look at this now. I, I like a couple uh, road underdogs here. I, I think the Jags plus 10. Uh, it's just a lot of points against, like, a, I think a still mediocre Vikings team. I think Jacksonville will score enough points to keep that uh, within 10. And then I like Cleveland plus five and a half. You know, I, I think Tennessee will win that game, but I wouldn't be shocked if Cleveland won. I think I think five and a half is too many points for them. Yeah, I could. I had trouble with that one. I'm not sure if I were actually betting on that game, which way I would go. I'm going to show my Western New York bias and make our buddy Adam Krautwurst happy and say that I will easily take the Bills minus one against the 49ers. Josh Allen is still capable of a dud here and there, but you have to score points to beat these Bills this season. And they are 10th in the league in scoring so far. They've been beaten by Tennessee, which scored 42. They've been beaten by Kansas City, which scored just 26 in that one, but dominated on the ground. And they beat, they've been beaten by the Cardinals, who scored 32 and needed a last-second Hale Murray to do it. The 49ers come in 20th in scoring. They might still be capable of bullying a defense on the ground, but they, I think we'll need to do that and pressure Josh Allen to win. And I don't think that these Niners are really capable of delivering that kind of pressure. So with just one point for the Bills here, I think they should cover that pretty easily and win that game at San Francisco. That's going to do it for this week 13 DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com to get cash game recommendations from Jared, get tournament picks and top stacks from Tyler, and check out our lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and the fan share ownership projections. Come Saturday morning, we will show you who we're playing against each other in round 13 of the Crown is Ass Challenge. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse with an I. And I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Tyler Syracuse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shout saying thanks so much for swimming with us.